Good morning. How's everybody doing? This is like, I'm doing great. I woke up extra happy this morning. All right, family. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Did I say good morning? Yeah. Good morning. Great morning. Great morning. God morning. Uh, we come to you, Father, this morning, giving thanks for an amazing, beautiful weekend, an extraordinary Saturday for each other, for our families, for your birth, for the celebration of the rising and giving us life through your Father. We come to you and ask that you will use us as a tool, as clay, and mold us into the most behemoth giant that represents you and your Father and the Holy Ghost in every way possible. We just stand in gratitude, appreciating the air and everything that surrounds us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family. So we're going to jump into this jacuzzi this morning with numbers. And one other thing, I think, for the season for myself, I don't know about everybody else, but I've been caught in this space called clarity. <laughs> Complete clarity. So I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I, don't, I do know that every moment in the season, I have become more and more clear uh, in everything. And, um, in my mission, especially when you start streaming, because right now it's like I've been forced between writing my book and setting up the infrastructure for Matrix and, you know, the things that I want to do and need to do and having to disseminate what is a priority first, because as an creative spirit and as an entrepreneurial spirit, you want to do everything. <laughs> like, how do I do everything? It's like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And what's really amazing about the conversation is um, I'm working with a team of social media people in regards to building my business, our business, for many of us on here. And I'm working with a team, a writer, uh, and a team of writers um, for my book and doing the infrastructure for that with putting a birth line. I don't call it a deadline. We're really working to get away from the word deadline. I just don't like the word dead. Too many people are dying. <laughs> and we want to give life to everything we're doing. So I'm calling it a birth, you know, a birth line. For everything I do, it's a birth line. And so on all of my birth lines and the things that I'm doing, um, obviously celebrating the day Christ was born. Um, forgive my rhetoric in which I put in the chat, but I just felt compelled to do it. There's nothing cynical about it. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not, you know. I'm not judging anybody. It's just something that I'm feeling. And so, but in all these different things, as I work with other people, because it's really about putting together my, my, I guess the other part of the season, you guys know I work in duality, is not just clarity, 
but leveling up. And so upgrading um, your circle in every capacity of the people that contribute towards your dreams. As you guys know, I have a philosophy and that is um, it, you only talk to people about your dreams of the people who can help you build them. And you only talk to people about your problems and the people who can help you solve them. Um, when we have ideas, we have a tendency of wanting to share ideas with everybody because we're excited about our ideas, not because we are looking, uh, well, some are looking for applause, some are looking for attention. Uh, usually when I share, it's just because I'm excited about it. And it's not always serving, but it is about leveling up. So it's really a matter of uh, the people that you're speaking with on a vibration of people who can contribute to your vision, right? And so in the people that I've been leveling up with, um, including this cast of individuals of everyone who's in my family on this call, it's really, for me, it's about, you know, I look at the seven pillars, for example, and the seven pillars do exist, must exist, and shall exist. But the reality of that is, it's really getting into a space that less is best so that people are not confused with who you are or what you're doing. And it starts at the head. So a person can have whatever pillars they want. You're to just be the example is what was broken down to me. It's like, you know, and, and so one person on the team was trying to break down all the different things that I'm doing or that I do. And they're like, you cannot identify. You And, and, and they made it very clear. They're like, can you, tell somebody what Oprah does? <laughs> it's like, no. Can you tell somebody what Steven Spielberg does? No, you know the vein in which they work. So, so you can't put limitations on who you are because there's no way by really defining who you are, what the matrix does, what the tentacles that it's taking on as well, and the dreams and the visions of others. So you have to create a global scope that is very narrow. That sounds crazy, right? I'll say that again. Creating a global scope that is very narrow that is very precise in the direction, but global in the sense that people can actually see themselves in the mural that is painted for the vision that everyone can see. So if you, if you look at, ca at vision casting of what Jesus would do, it, incorp it, incorp it, in, uh, it incorporated everybody from the meek, the weak, to the strong, um, to the kings, to the prophets, to the shepherd, to the animals, to the animal kingdom, uh, to all living creatures and even beyond that the land the air and everything so um, how big is your vision is what it comes down to you know but how big is your vision that is so precise and so clear that you know exactly where you're going with your vision if that makes any sense i don't know if you guys are with me this morning if, if this is but it's been very uh, i don't have time to go into the the unraveling of each layer of the onion that i'm going through but it's a very interesting process for me um, when we start, because even in writing the book, they're like, okay, you've given us an outline for about 15 books in one book. <laughs> it's like, because my mind just starts when it gets triggered. I'm just an ideal person. I'm like, da, da, and, how about that? And, and then they're like, well, how does that tie into the title of the book in which you're writing right now? Uh, we can make that another book, but that's not, you know, and I was like, wow, that makes sense. So anyway, I'm just sharing with you for what I'm seeking and that you want to be very precise and clear with what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for your keys, don't go into the house looking for your keys, looking for your house shoes, looking for your wallet, looking for your wig, looking for your, <laughs> your, you know, your workout outfit all at the same time. Know that you have lost your keys and you have somewhere to go. 
So that is what I'm focusing on is the prioritizing of the things that I'm looking for in a stair-step manner to be able to accomplish and get everything done um, because I have this massive vision to do more in the next 12 months than I've done in the last, you know, two decades. I mean, I want this to be the most impactful, ridiculous year of my life and of our lives coming up. And it's going to come down to precision of being able to do, you know, have you ever started cleaning your house and then you find something and then that takes you on another, on a whole nother direction. You're like, Oh, right. And then the phone rings and you get into a conversation and then the child, you know, needs attention. And then this, and you just never complete anything. So that's why I've been sharing. It's not the power of focus. It's really the power of distractions. So if you can get the distractions out of the way and know that no matter how, uh, how much the obstacle is in front of you, you know, if, if, the, if the payoff of where you're going is high enough, you'll pay the price of all the labor it takes to go through getting done what you need to get done. That makes sense. Um, because the book, as you guys know, my book, it doesn't matter how you start, it only matters that you finish. The biggest challenge in that is you know, as my biggest discussion yesterday with my team was, well, why don't people finish? <laughs> you know, and there's so many reasons. Uh, one is self-sabotage. Um, that's huge. That's huge. Um, you know, what is the outcome of when you don't finish something? You know, one is emptiness. You feel actually incomplete when you don't finish what you start, you know. And so you start making up conversations and stories that have no content and no weight, which then cost you more time and more of an, a hollow shell of who you are. And you feel like you're not worthless, but that's the closest I can, closest adjective I can come with. You feel like, you know, you aren't who you're setting out to be. You aren't complete with who you actually are as a person. You start having more and more watered down, saturated, validating conversations for why you aren't where you need to be in your own head. Because you won't share that with somebody else. You won't share why you don't feel like you're complete with somebody else or why you aren't validated with somebody else or why you're not where you want to be with somebody else. But the, the, the voice that's in your head is actually even worse than the naysayers, which really creates a whole nother space. You know, it's crazy, right? So anyway, I just wanted to share that. That's on my heart and what I'm doing and really what, what, is, what draws me and pulls me so close to God is, is he was very clear on everything that he did, on every mission, on every sermon, on every uh, act. There was a big picture that needed to be painted in a short period of time of three years of his ministry with an end result in mind. And more was done in three years than most will do in 15,000 lifetimes, obviously. You know, but if we could just get a speckle of that, if we could just get a, just a piece of that, man, what would our lives look like, right? So we're in Numbers 23. I want to share that. And, and, and uh, Numbers 23 is Balaam's first oracle, uh, Balaam. And so it says, and Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars. There's that number seven, Francisco seven altars <laughs> and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had asked and said, and Balak and Balaam offered on each altar a bull and a ram. 
And Balaam said to Balak, stand beside your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. And he went to a barren height and God met Balaam. And Balaam said to him, I have arranged the seven altars. I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. And he, re he returned to him and behold, he and all the princes of Moab were standing beside his burnt offering. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, from Aram, Balak has brought me the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, curse Jacob for me and come, denounce Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom God or the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the crags, I see him. From the hills, I behold him. Behold a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. And Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took to you, I I'm sorry, I took you to, my, to curse my enemies. And behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? So Balaam's second oracle starts at verse 13. And Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only a fraction of them and shall not see them all. Then curse them from, for me from there. And he took him to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, stand here beside your burnt offering while I meet the Lord over there. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, return to Balak and thus shall you speak. And he came to him, and behold, he was standing beside his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said to him, what has the Lord spoken? And Balaam took up his discourse and said, rise, Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. For there is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what has God wrought? Behold a people, as a lioness it rises up and as a lion it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. And Balak said to Balaam, do not curse them at all. 
and do not bless them at all. But Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell you all that the Lord says that I must do? And Balak said to Balaam, come now, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me over there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of the Peor, which overlooks the desert. And Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam asked and offered a bull and a ram on each of the altars. Now breaking that down, we jump into the water here. The prophecy of Balaam, the first prophecy, is sacrifice and preparation. So everything that we do has to have a sacrifice and we have to have a preparation for it. Then Balaam said to Balak, build seven altars for me here and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. So he went to a desolate height. See, that's one through three. It's just really about the sacrifice and the preparation. Four through six, God met Balaam and sends him back to Balak. See, then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. We might be surprised that God spoke to and through someone as obviously wicked as Balaam, but this shows us that spiritual giftedness does not equal spiritual maturity or holiness of life. God spoke through a donkey in the previous chapter, and now he spoke through a bigger donkey, <laughs> a bigger ass, if you will. So he returned to him, and there he was. See, when Balaam returned, Balak and all the princes of Moab were ready. They were ready to learn what their money bought them from Balaam. As you look at 7 through 10, God's word to Balak through Balaam. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram. See, come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. God knew exactly what Balak wanted. He wanted a spiritual curse on Israel so they could be defeated in battle. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Yet Balaam or any other prophet could not curse Israel if God had not cursed them as well. Therefore, Balak's money was wasted. Instead, through Balaam, God promised to bless Israel by making them a singular nation and blessings them, blessing them with a greater size. Balaam concluded his oracle, another word for a prophecy. With this longing, Balaam was one of the many who, who, who longed to die the death of the righteous yet have no desire to live the life of the righteous. The two actually go together. If you look at 11 through 12, Balak's disappointment. The king of Moab was understandably disturbed. He paid good money for a particular outcome, and the opposite happened. Perhaps Balaam was disappointed also. It isn't hard to sense a note of sorrow in this response of his. After all, he wanted to please his employer. It said, but I must not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth as a question, actually. As you look at 13 through 17, the second prophecy, then Balak said to him, please come with me to another place. So they read out the entire prophecy and then go into 18 through 24, God's second word to Balak through Balaam. His second word was, then he took up his oracle and said, rise up, Balak, and hear. See, rise up, Balak, and hear. In this message, God rebuked Balak and taught him about the divine nature, that he is not a man, that he does not lie, 
or change his mind. God will never change his mind. He will not lie for anybody. He can't actually go against and contradict what he was birthed to do in giving life. He always performs his word. That's why Jesus was the word before he became Jesus and that he is all strength. If you look at the next sentence, he has not observed iniquity. See, God also taught Balak about the people of God and Israel. He taught them that they were blessed and that they were walking in purity, that God was with Israel and had brought them out of Egypt. That was his own doing, had protected them against all sorcery and divination, and that he would see them through the victory no matter what, because he had already given him what? His word. He has strength like a wild ox. The phrase wild ox, Numbers 23, 22, and 24 to 8, is translated unicorn. In the, K, in the King James Version, the Hebrew word here, reem, occurs nine times in the Old Testament. The idea behind the Hebrew word is either of one horn or a mighty horn. Some think it refers to a rhinoceros, others a wild ox, or a strong goat. It is not out of the question that a unicorn may be in mind here. If you look at 25 through 26, Balak's disappointment. Neither cursed them at all, nor blessed them at all. Balak was very frustrated and essentially said, if you can't curse them, then at least don't go and bless them. So you can see his disappointment here. But the key to this verse here is again, in alignment with what we talked about in Hebrews 6 yesterday, that is that God cannot go against his word when he gives his promise to his people, that you have to have enough faith to be able to walk and do what you're called to do on purpose and on intention. <sighs> Amen. I approve that message. And that is Numbers 23. Love to hear your takeaway. I approve that message to put it up for you. Before I get to the dessert. Join me. The water is warm. Please share your takeaway. Take out on this one here. Can you guys hear me? Are you guys with me? Good morning, coach. Amazing morning. What's happening, man? All right. Um, I see where all the numbers are coming into place now. <laughs> and and it's amazing because lately I've been having some some weird dreams, but I actually feel once I get up, I'm like really relieved. I feel like like um, like what's coming, it's coming and it's coming now. Right. You no, know? and it's, it, it it feels like it feels good. I see like a lot of things taking place. Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm just I've never been so excited. Like mm -hmm. I'm really excited, and it's like I can't tell nobody. Like, listen, right. I feel excited, and it's this, this, and that. I can't. It's like I, I have no words to explain. <laughs> wow, but that it is. Just everything that's coming around is is amazing, and I I receive that blessing. Yes, yes, and yes. And I'm looking for seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else like to share this morning? Step in the water or I could go right into the dessert. Let me know. <laughs> 
You guys still digesting the meal? You guys are so quiet. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great Phenomenal morning. morning. Phenomenal morning, Steph. How are you, love? Um, amazing. This is exactly what I needed to hear this morning because, uh, you know, it is a trying time right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the plan is for the enemy, you know, here we have a king who who wants to curse people that are blessed. So his conversation, his approach, his attitude, you know, he's going about slaughtering animals, you know, sacrificing animals, obviously not to the most high God, but to a God. Right. Only to find out that, only to find out that all things work together for the good of those that love God. Mm-hmm. Those who God blesses can't be hurt. Now, on the other end, we don't get to hear about the community of people and how they're feeling going through this, how they're, you know, what their thoughts are, because their king is like trying to slaughter them, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure there's a lot of mixed emotions going on because, you know, there's no food, there's no blessings, there's no nothing coming from him. But, but what the enemy means for our harm, God is working it out for our good. Yeah. And, you know, we've just really got to endure and look at this. And, you know, for me right now, I needed to hear that message mm-hmm. without going into any details you know right now while the world is out shopping and you know whatever they're doing right you know god has his hand on some of us to say don't pay attention to that pay attention to me Mm -hmm. i'm going to bless you do not measure your blessings by the ruler of the world or the the scale of the world start looking at how I measure, how I weigh, you know, and I, and I think that this is such a confirmation for me to really look and, and to flat out get excited about and be even more grateful for the blessings of God, the, the wisdom. Thank you for the wisdom that you're giving us. Thank you for just taking this time to, to dig deep and to share your revelations with us. I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, and I want to finish this. Actually, I don't, I'm not going to. I'm not going to cheat you guys this morning. I'm going to. I was trying to keep. I was attempting. You know, I, to try was to lie. So I lied. <laughs> so I'm actually going to break this down, so that you get the completion of this, because it actually in 24 actually finishes the entire concept here. So I'm going to read it quickly, and I'm going to go through the breakdown swiftly, uh, since it was so effective and efficient. And thank you, Stephanie, for that. Check this out. So. In 24, it actually goes, when Balaam, and this is the third oracle, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to, to, to look for omens. Normally, he would go look for omens. I'm going to break it down in between and around also. But he set his face towards the wilderness, and Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. 
your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the water. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agar, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and is for him like the horns of the wild oaks, uh, wild ox, I'm sorry. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces, and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness, who will rise, roast, roast him up. Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place, I said. I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord to do either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak, don't you think? And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the later days. And it comes into uh, verse 15, Balaam's final oracle. And he took up his discourse and said, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see, but now I, I see him, but now, now, but not now. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheph. Edom shall be disposed, uh, disposed. Seir, also his enemies, shall be disposed. Israel is doing valiantly, and one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of cities. Then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the king of Kenite, and took up his discord and said, Enduring is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Ashur takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from Ketan, and shall afflict Ashur and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam rose and went back to his place, and Balak also went his way. So what we're sharing here, when, I, when we started this conversation, I opened with saying the main thing that I wanted more than anything else was complete clarity. When you're living in the word of God, you get the complete clarity of your purpose and intent and not to go against his word in any way, no matter what, how much money is offered you, how many gifts are given to you, no matter what you're gifted, you have to stay in alignment with the God thought, the God idea, the, the, everything that he put on your heart was divine. It was divine order. Steps are already ordered. When you look at the third prophecy, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me seven bulls and rams. At the suggestion of Balaam, Balak offered seven bulls and seven rams, but by now 
he had offered 21 bulls and rams, plus Balaam's pay. This means Balak had a substantial investment in seeing Israel cursed. The third time, they selected another place to make the prophecy again. Apparently, on the two previous occasions, Balaam tried to bring forth a curse on Israel, but he couldn't. Now he stopped using these false and artificial aids and just let the Lord speak, which taps in. And that's why I was triggered to give you the rest of this through what Stephanie had said. When you look at three through nine, God's third message through Balaam, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob. This beautiful prophecy speaks of Israel's blessed abundance and the dominance over neighbor nations. God will give Israel. We are his people. We will be blessed beyond, nation, beyond nations if we align ourselves with God. You will be given everything that you want. Everything has already been yours. We talked about yesterday, the movie and the preview has already been completed. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a trailer. See, that's what prophecy is about. Most of all, it speaks of the abiding blessings of God on Israel and directly rebukes Balak for trying to curse Israel. Cursed is he who curses you. See, each of the first prophecies it has gotten worse for Balak. In the first one, Balaam failed to curse Israel. In the second, he blesses Israel. And in the third, he curses Balak. How much worse can it get for the king of Moab? See, as you look at 10 through 13, Balak's ex ex exasperation with Balaam. Balak said that he would not pay Balaam because Balaam would not curse Israel. This hit Balaam where it really hurt him. Balaam tried his best to excuse himself and to blame God. But he knew that his heart's desire, a big paycheck, would not be fulfilled because he failed to please his employer. Perhaps at that moment, Balaam saw the gender or the greater wisdom of God in telling him not to go because now it seemed the whole trip was a big waste and Balaam would not get any of his money. But as you look at it, the fourth prophecy, the introduction, and now, indeed, I am going to my people, come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in later days. See, there was no preparation needed for this prophecy. Since Balak was not going to pay Balaam, Balaam would, not, would get back at him with a free prophecy, one that would show just how blessed Israel will be, both now and in the later days. See, 15 through 24, the, the God's fourth message through Balaam is powerful in itself. It's actually breaking down, I see him, but not now. I behold him but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. The passage is so beautiful of a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. Balaam could see him, but not now. Jesus is here prophetically called a star and a scepter. He is glorious like a star and has all the authority to rule as a scepter, pictured by a scepter in a complete picture, perfect, just with the frame and all just given to us. See, as you break it down and, and, and batter the brow, the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumut, the Messiah will eventually rule over all nations that surround Israel. Here, God spoke about the neighboring nations of Israel, Moab, Edom, Amalek, and the Kenites, and their future through Balaam. See, Balaam and Balak depart in verse 25. Undoubtedly, both were disappointed and perhaps angry, each because Israel had not been weakened spiritually and therefore made ready for a defeat in battle. Balak wanted Israel defeated, and Balaam wanted Balak's money, but each wanted Israel's spirituality cursed as a way to get it, and God would not curse Israel.
see that promise we have to learn how to stand on no matter what comes up against us or how, how the foes look. We must credit Balak for one thing. He knew where the strength of Israel was. He did not seek to defeat Israel through military strategy nor weapons. He knew it was a spiritual battle, and if Israel won the spiritual battle, they would certainly win the military battle. So he was smart enough to not go into battle against God and his promise. We should walk in the same awareness. If we did, we would give more time and attention to building our spiritual strength and having a close walk with Jesus. We should not allow Balak to be more perceptive about spiritual things than we actually are. So I wanted you guys to get that conversation. Hopefully that helped in the takeout. Oh, Jesus, okay? So I, I had to complete that because I don't want to leave you with just hanging. And like, like Stephanie said, it, it doesn't talk about certain things, specific things, but it does if you complete the entire understanding of where this is. Now, as we move forward and I get into the dessert, I want